Baby back door, baby fall off. Sipping codeine, cause I gotta kill the cold. Let me sit sideways in the big bins. Oh, you boys, they my brothers, they my friends. Now it's time to go to work. There's not one guy in the history of this program that's bigger than the program. <laughs> Listening to Brandon Drum. Look, I think the program is moving in a great direction. And Parker Thune. Venables knows what he's doing. This is the OU Insider Under the Visor Podcast. Welcome to another OU Insider Under the Visor Sooners podcast. I almost said YouTube Live because it's been a long time since we podcasted (laughs) and that became habit, but this is the Sooner podcast, OU Insider Sooner podcast, and um, man, spring ball, this is a post-game podcast. The white beat the red, the offense beat the defense, or the defense beat the offense, 84 to 82 in a... Very, very eclectic way of gathering points. Uh, when you go ahead, Parker, I know there's like so many people have so many things to say about the point system. Yeah, well, you get the two points for punting. <laughs> yeah, it was bizarre. It was probably the most bizarre scoring system I've ever seen for a spring game. And you said it. The final score was eighty-four to eighty-two. In what universe is that the final score of any football game? Well, it's in a universe where you get two points for a pass deflection and five points for forcing a punt. So Texas A&M LSU twenty eighteen seventy-four seventy-two was yeah. the final in that one. Yeah, well, but, that's the world know, I, we're living in, baby. <laughs> I, I would hope they go back to a more standard scoring system next year because it was very difficult to follow and. It seemed like towards the end there, Venables was kind of cheating things in favor of the offense to set up that final play because there were definitely several scoring play. Well, what should have been scoring plays for the defense under the format that were not added to the tally. So, you know, it it felt somewhat manipulated towards the end, but, you know, it was football. Football is football. It was good for 54,000 plus fans to get out and see their team, especially their newcomers, go full speed in pads on the turf at Owen Field. And speaking of newcomers, I think we'd be remiss in burying the lead if we didn't talk about one five-star, former five-star quarterback, freshman, Jackson Arnold. Oh, I, 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 I would say you already buried the lead, Brandon. Because yeah, that's fair. We did. We we took a bit to get there. Well, but, uh, no, no, no. I'm not talking about Jackson because Jackson was impressive. I think the lead is the play that Peyton Bowen made. 
Goodness oh, gracious. Yeah, no, that's, that's Peyton Bolin. Like if if that if his performance on Saturday and that play in particular mm-hmm. didn't prove to everybody what type of different athlete Peyton Bowen is. I I don't know what to tell you because the play that he made on Andrell Anthony on that deep shot that Dylan Gabriel took, that was literally flawless technique, Brandon. Mm -hmm. He could not have played that ball any better than he did. And that's a true freshman early enrollee. That's a guy that should have been getting ready for his senior prom on Saturday. And he was making that type of a play at Owen field, picking off a quarterback who's going into his fifth year as an FBS starter and matched up against maybe the guy that's been most impressive out of that entire wide receiver room this spring at Oklahoma. So if there's a conclusion to draw that is a rational or a rational and reasonable one from this spring game Saturday, Brandon, it is that you're going to see a lot of Peyton Bowen this fall because I don't know that there's a defensive back on this roster that could slash would have made the type of play that he did on that particular snap Saturday afternoon. Probably Billy Bowman would be the only one, but yeah, no, you're correct. Both Denton guys, Dentonites, and um, I, that that's kind of the irony in this, and also the irony in is that he's playing behind Billy Bowman, and here's. Here's the thing is he's going to play a lot. He's going to get in the rotation. He's going to be probably the second string safety behind Billy Bowman. And that's, that's more because, and this is me just talking to people around the program. I think they I'm trying to wear this without giving away too much public stuff. Um, they want him to earn it. And obviously making plays like that, you're earning it, right? Like you're earning your position. You're doing the right things. You're playing ball. Your technique is flawless. You're you're sealing, finding the ball, you know, doing everything that you're supposed to do as a safety, playing your half, right? And it when it becomes easy for somebody like that, they don't want it to be, well, this is just like high school and it get lax. And I think that's what you saw with Jackson as well. Like, cause you've heard all, all spring, right? Adabari, Peyton Bowen, Jackson, the three, five stars have come in and they have just been different than what five stars normally are in Norman, where sometimes historically they've taken time to progress, right? Like it's outside of Caleb Williams, how many five stars have come in and literally been that dude right over the, over the history book. It's taken a bit, even, even the great Gerald McCoy had to red shirt, right? Like, so it took time. Now, obviously he had circumstances with his mother and all that type of stuff that went down, unfortunately for him. I mean, that's such a sad deal, but it took time for even Gerald McCoy, who's one of the greatest defensive tackles in football history, whether college or NFL. And so like to have those three come in and they're just that good. The Oklahoma coaches are trying to find ways to make it hard for them. You saw Jackson with a third, third string, the second string personnel with third string linemen and second string linemen out there, just getting his butt whipped versus the first team defense. But then what'd they do? After he had almost hardly any success the whole whole spring game, 
They said, okay, we're going to give you two drives with the first team O-line. What happened? He produced. But could you imagine if he would add the first team O-line the whole spring game? If he, Dylan has, would he have four touchdowns? Right, three he touchdowns. Threw, well, three right, touchdowns. They, but his he threw he his his offense had they had Sawchuck, Farouk, Blake Smith, Blake Smith, but they the the there's eighty who who threw the touchdown to eighty. That was Davis Bevel. Davis Bevel threw the touchdown. Okay, so he had three touchdowns. <clears throat> so, could you imagine if Jackson had three? And Dylan had three because they both had the first team O line. What happens after that? The fans start chanting, "We want Jackson! We want Jackson!" We want. It's similar to what happened when Caleb got the first team O line in twenty twenty one, right? Spencer goes out there and he struggles with the first team O line. Caleb comes out there and I don't think he threw an incomplete pass, did he? He was ten for eleven, ninety nine for eleven. Yards, that's right, one more. You end up with that problem. The team split. The fans are split. This was premeditated. Do you agree with that? Like how they went about it? Well, I, premeditated it, in the sense that you want your first team quarterback taking reps with the first team offensive no, line. No, but it, you it know just, what I mean. You don't want you don't want the five star getting, you know. That type of Caleb Williams type day, where then it becomes, oh, oh, the fans start falling in love with that, right? It's the new guy. Yeah, that's they, fine. You you don't think that they, that that they set that up at any point to where they held him from the first team O line to not let him have time to sit there all day and just pick the defense apart? We've I heard this. We've heard all, all. We've heard all spring when he got with the first team. He did nothing but drive him down. Could you imagine if he publicly did that? Yeah. Look, it was I, one drive and he did it, and it was flawless. He looked now really, are, really good on that last drive. He really, was, really good. Now and people that, are calling that touchdown throw that he had to Gavin Freeman was a best NFL throw of the day by any quarterback. Oh, man. Best throw of the day by any quarterback. It might Oklahoma. have been the best throw all spring by any quarterback. Yeah, but look, I this I think this fan base has already fallen in love with Jackson. They have. They, they, they have. already understand what he's capable of. And again, with seeing's believing, I, Parker. Sure, I will go back to the point that I made well months ago now, with regard to the top two quarterbacks on Oklahoma's roster this year versus the situation that they were dealing with in 2021. <laughs> I think everyone is going to be content. Let me, maybe not everyone. The majority is going to be content if you don't see Jackson Arnold take meaningful snaps this year because. You don't have the fire under your seat the way that you did in 2021 when the expectation was, okay, you're going to compete for a national championship. You're going to win a college football playoff game. Finally, you're going to break through and you're going to do it behind this high octane offense with Spencer Rattler at the helm. And if for some reason that doesn't happen and you start, you start to slip into the slight margin for error that you have, well, okay, you turn to the five-star. Oklahoma's coming off a six and seven season. There's no reason to drum up a quarterback controversy right now. Well, I think that's the very reason you drum up a quarterback controversy. Uh, 
because you just come off a six and seven season and Dylan was the culprit or the quarterback in that. Regardless of how good he, yeah, he was, the quarterback, were. he was by no means the culprit. No, I didn't mean I, that was that was poor wording on my part. A bit. That, that's why I followed up by saying like his stats were amazing, but people don't care. They don't look at all the drop passes that cost them last year. They see six and seven. Dylan was a starting quarterback. We have this five star. He might be able to take us to back to glory. And that's how OU fans think. Right or wrong, it's how they think, Parker. Yeah. Well, we sound is... like we sound like total radio talking heads right now, going back and forth at each other. <laughs> Here's the point that I want to communicate and get across. Jackson Arnold is the truth. We know this. Yes. This is not any particular secret. And also, Dylan Gabriel is your starting quarterback Correct. in 2023, unless stuff hits the fan. And those two things are not mutually exclusive. Correct. Right. Now, and if he gets hurt. Well, if he gets hurt. Does does Jackson come out? Is You and I both don't think that happens. Yeah. Well, that's, it's know, over that's one too many steps down the road at this point, yeah. in my mind. Um, but go ahead. Yeah. El, no, elsewhere on this roster, I think when you look at the, and I wrote about this a little bit yesterday on OUinsider.com, I think when you look at the overall performance on the offensive side of the ball, the Sooners did not have much success running the football. They averaged less than three yards per carry in the spring game. And a lot of that is due to the fact that they had so many offensive linemen banged up, which again, if you're looking at this contest from the perspective of a casual observer, and you know nothing of what has gone on the previous four weeks in spring ball, I understand if you're somewhat alarmed by the offensive performance on Saturday, but this is why you keep up to date with your team at OUinsider.com because those that knew how banged up the Sooners were mm -hmm. on the offensive side of the ball and especially on the offensive line knew that you couldn't really expect to be able to move the line effectively and be able to dominate in the trenches from the offensive side on Saturday because you were dealing with a patchwork unit on the offensive line. And so... I was not shocked to see the ground game somewhat bottled up for Oklahoma. I was not shocked that Dylan Gabriel and Jackson Arnold had very little time to get rid of the football in general. And this is why, Brandon, this is why my encouragement to every single fan, not just every Sooner fan, but every single fan is be very, very cautious about what kind of stock you put into a spring game mm -hmm. because it is by nature a zero-sum game. Every play that is made on the offensive side of the ball comes at the expense of a defensive lapse and vice versa. And one side of the ball is only as good as the other side is bad. So two sides to one very enormous coin when you're talking about a spring game or any intra-squad exhibition of any type. So yes, it is reasonable and logical to point out a few things, i.e. the brilliance of Peyton Bowen on Saturday and be able to justifiably say that's something that we can expect to see this fall, but you never want to take things one step too far when all you have to go off is two, two and a half hours of interest quad action on a Saturday afternoon. I totally agree. Uh, speaking of offense, how about Gavin Sawchuk out in space? That dude is awesome. <laughs> so he's going to be really good. Like, they 
I can almost guarantee you they're going to split him out, put him in the slot, and let him eat at times with quick in the quick game and all that type of stuff. Um, he has great hands. He's super fast. And once the line is solidified with – and I want people to understand, that Parker, you talked about everybody being dinged up and injured. If this was the season, almost every one of those guys would have played. But it was the spring game, and that's where Parker, you to your point, where we say don't get caught up in everything that you see in spring game because a lot of those dudes would have played like Rouse, Sexton would have been out there. Like, and obviously Sexton still has a ways to go. He's got about a month of rehab to go. But if this was September, he's out there playing. Rouse is out there playing in September. This is April. And so they're not willing to risk a reoccurrence at the expense of the fans getting a good look at the Oklahoma team at its full, you know, strength at tackle. And they were, I, I will I, I do want to add that I thought Caden green being that he's only a freshman first time in front of almost 60,000 people played fairly decent. You know, he, he made some freshman mistakes at tackle, but that's to be expected, especially with how much improvement they expect from the D-line and that we saw from the defensive line. And I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Grayson Haltom, if we didn't talk about Jonah Laulu. Uh, Jordan Kelly had a good day. Um, Ethan Downs had a good day. Adabare had a good day. And uh, this guy that freshman All-American from Indiana played pretty good. Uh, Desan McCullough, he was all right. I mean, <laughs> the the defense I think showed the talent difference between 2022 and 2023, and I think that's something you can come away with because last year the spring game was fun, but it wasn't. I remember, Dylan Gabriel just ate them up last year because they didn't have a pass rush. Like it was completely different. I think my overarching takeaway on the defensive side of the ball is pretty similar to what you were just kind of hashing out, Brandon, which is that the caliber of athlete mm -hmm. in general that Oklahoma boasts on the defensive side of the ball is leaps and bounds better than it was a year ago. And I think that has manifested itself most conspicuously in the linebacker court. Kip Lewis had 11 tackles. He did. led he the team good. by a country mile mm -hmm. on Saturday in terms of tackles. Now, that's one thing that I would not read too much into because Kip Lewis still has a ways to go if he's going to be a regular contributor in that linebacker core. But the way that Phil Pachotti moves for a dude his size, Brandon, it's impressive. The way that Desan McCullough gets around, you can see why he was a freshman All-American at Indiana. And then the tag team of Danny Stutzman and Jaron Kanick. Man, with those two guys getting... An they started McCullough, right? I kind of got in a little so. bit. Yeah, I think because he made the first play, right? Like on the, the double pass. Yes, right? yes, he did. Yes, he did. So um, he, he was with the ones ahead of Harrington, which is kind of shocking a little bit, actually, from everything we've heard. Like, you know who else was with the ones? Josiah Wagner. Yes, he was. Which... And you, I was just talking to a source, and that source is raving 
about Josiah Wagner being that dude. And get, what, did, what did that source say? They're recruiting football players at Oklahoma just like Josiah Wagner that mm-hmm. can come in and play instantly because they're smart and they're just football players. And another guy that I will point out, I'm going to kind of segue here because Wagner has been really impressive this spring. And the fact that he broke out with the ones in the spring game speaks volumes to what he's accomplished. Mm -hmm. The play that DJ Graham made one-on-one down the sideline matched up against Wagner, I think speaks to the reality that there is a very real role to be carved out for DJ Graham in this offense because he does not look like a guy that has taken two full years off of playing wide receiver. He had two virtually consecutive plays. I don't think they came on consecutive snaps, but the ball down the sideline where he's one-on-one with Jay Wag and Davis Bevel lays it up 15 to 20 yards short of where it needs to be. And DJ Graham's just basically got to hang out there, camp underneath it, hand fight Josiah Wagner to keep him away from the ball and then snag the reception. He goes and does it. Then two, three plays later, Bevel throws another ball. that's a mile behind Graham. He stops on a dime, makes the catch, slips an arm tackle and gains an extra, what, 15, 20 yards after the catch. To me, I, again, it's something that I'm not necessarily putting a ton of stock into at face value, but that performance that specifically those two plays from Graham on Saturday in conjunction with everything that we've been hearing about him since last fall, when he originally made that position change, I think gives me confidence and gives me belief that DJ Graham is going to be able to cement a spot for himself on this depth chart. Maybe not as a starter at wide receiver, but as a guy that's getting snaps. Mm-hmm. No, that, that I, <laughs> Graham it, He's been kind of a nomad, obviously, since he's been in Oakland. He's started at wide receiver, goes over to DB, stays at DB for about two years. Now he's back at wide receiver. Obviously, two different offensive systems. So he's not, he's actually relearning everything as he goes. And I think that's been the holdup from my understanding is the playbook right now for him because he's kind of even. Even with some of the freshmen, he's a little bit behind because they got the playbook, right? And the transfers, they got the playbook before he was officially over there. So he was a couple of weeks behind even getting to know the offense, terminology and all that type of stuff. So I kind of agree with you. You saw him run with the twos yesterday and and the threes. And I think he's a guy that if they don't if the freshmen that come in don't somehow overtake him and or a transfer by the name of Brendan Thompson that might be announced today at some point I'm told um just a heads up on that um so he might be able to be if he can hold those guys off and that's going to be hard to do because we're talking about Jaquay's Petaway Right. We're talking about a Brennan Thompson type guy. Right. We're talking about um I just went blank on what I was talking about there for a second. Who's the who's the other freshman coming in from Keon Brown. Deon, Keon Brown. Keon Brown. And it's sorry, 
Brandon Huffman actually just texted me about Josiah Wagner. <laughs> so that's the irony of that. <laughs> so his boy, Josiah Wagner, showing out and he's hyped. Um, but yeah, uh, if he can hold those guys off, I mean, and that's going to be a tall order though, Parker. Like, do you expect him to hold those guys off? Like a Brennan Thompson, a Jaquais Petaway? I, I don't know, man. No. There's there's a name for you, Brennan Thompson. I think that that provides a pretty natural segue into the remainder of the podcast, Brandon. Which yeah, is we to might say as well that, go ahead. I've I've already kind of thrown it. Yeah, out that can of worms has been popped right open. Sooners this, hosted a, a number of elite visitors this weekend at the spring game. One of them being the Texas transfer, Brennan Thompson. And it's Monday, if you, right? Or it is Monday. Monday. Today's it Monday. See, I get all confused now with how busy we've been. Like, what day? Have you been like that lately? Like, it's today, Monday, Tuesday. Like, I don't know anymore. Just because that happens we... from time to time. But yeah. uh, hey, if if you are a VIP, today. what now? It could be announced today. If you are a VIP over at OUinsider.com, you are well aware. You were well aware within ten minutes of the news breaking that Brandon Thompson was going to hit the transfer portal, that OU looked like the destination there. And that Thompson would be looking Oklahoma's way when he officially got in the portal. And that's not terribly surprising, given that the native of Spearman, Texas, out in the panhandle, really, really liked OU coming out of high school. Lincoln Riley and his staff stopped prioritizing Thompson at a certain point when they got Luther Burden, Talon Shetron, and Jordan Hudson all on board. See how that worked out. None of those three guys ended up signing at Oklahoma. But uh, with Thompson ready to move on from his situation at the University of Texas, it always felt like Oklahoma was going to be a natural fit given his relationship with Jay Valai dating back to the Texas days, Emmett Jones being an ex-tech guy and having spent time out in the panhandle. And Thompson was on a visit this past Saturday Things went swimmingly, and to add a guy that brings 10.2 100-meter speed to the table, Brandon, you won't find many Brennan Thompsons around college football. Nope. Nope. Speed, 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 speed. You had that with Jaquais Petaway. You had that with Jalil Farouk. I'm trying to think of other uh, – you had that with Andrew Anthony. You talk about four dudes that can take the top off of a defense. My goodness. And Keon Brown's not slow either, and he's a big guy. So you got guys that can take the top off, and that's exactly what you need in Levy's offense. I think outside of Farouk and Mims, I think that hurt OU last year kind of, you know, handcuffed the offense a little bit because they didn't have an assortment of guys that could take the top off. No, don't get me wrong. The the Gavin Freemans of the world, the Drake Stoops of the world, they have their place in this offense, right? Technically sound runners. Gavin Freeman faster than Drake by a long shot. He's a speedster, but they're not particularly known for that, right? Like you send them on a a go route or a fade or a post or a corner, and you're not biting your fingernails that they're running the route. Now with Andrew Anthony, Jaquay's pet away, even though he hasn't done anything yet, you look at his times and track and that's all you have to look at. <laughs> you know, they're going to use him. You look at Brendan Thompson and what he's done and been able to do. 
with his track and just knowing the type of player that he was out of high school and why everybody in the country wanted him, whether it was Clemson, Alabama, Oklahoma, Texas, Texas A&M, like everybody wanted Brennan Thompson, USC. They wanted him. Like he's a really good player. And you add that to an already fast group of wide receivers. If you're Dylan Gabriel or Jackson Arnold, you've got to be really stoked about that. Right. Like that's that's what you're looking for is more guys to take the top off the defense and make it easier for an Austin Stogner, a Drake Stoops, a Gavin Freeman, uh Nick Anderson can fly too. I can't forget about him. He's big and he can fly. And despite the pan hands that Jaden Gibson's had lately, he can run. And I know I'm I'm making a joke of the pan hands because he's dropped quite a bit, but <laughs> You're trying not to laugh. <laughs> not a great. I feel bad for him. Gibson. I really do feel bad for him. But bro, the last two years, outside of the spring game where he took that 95 yarder, it's. I feel bad for that kid. Like that's a mental hurdle that he's got to get over at some point, or it's going to be rough for him to ever touch the field. Because Oklahoma, all they're doing is recruit. Look, hey. Brennan Thompson's not the only wide receiver that's about to pop in to the Sooners. Right? Like, they are about to have an elite, elite 2024 class. Would you agree with that? I would. And it's going to, not only is K.J. Daniels, speaking of taking the top off the defense, my God, that dude can flat fly. And There's then a reason. There's yeah. a reason Emmett Jones and the Oklahoma staff took a commitment from KJ Daniels in April. And we saw because... it at the Under Armour camp. Nobody mm -hmm. could cover him. Well, and what stands out to me and stood out to me last month when we saw him at the Under Armour camp with KJ Daniels isn't necessarily speed. We know he's got speed. It's the acceleration. God. He goes <laughs> zero to 60 faster than just about anyone I've ever seen. Bar none. He is Hollywood Brown is what he is. That's that. That is the only comparison you can throw at that kid. If you if you stuck them next to each other and you had their backs, they had their backs to you, you couldn't tell, and they were just running, right? Mm -hmm. You couldn't tell the difference between, obviously, one's bigger than the other now, but in college, high school, they're so similarly similarly framed, that, and they run just almost exactly the huge strides that they take, even though they're only like 5'11". Like it's 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 wild, like how fast those two are. And I think if you're an Oklahoma fan, you've got to be pretty giddy because Hollywood Brown wasn't seen. Now he was a four star, but he was a four star JUCO. He wasn't seen as like this must have out of junior college because Oklahoma was battling Wake or West Virginia for him. And so the fact Oklahoma pulled off KJ Daniels, and I'm imagining in the next week. You might see two more wide receivers that both are bigger and have great speed as well, can take the top off of a defense as well, uh, pop into the 24 and 25 class potentially in the next week or so. Um, Emmett Jones is putting in some work. You had Brennan Thompson, KJ Daniels. There might be one pop today or tomorrow, depending on when the edit happens. Um and then you add the 2025 that's going to be popping on May 1st. And uh, you, 
you've uh, definitely hit uh, a grand slam since you've been hired at Oklahoma. <laughs> that's well, I think let's say the least. I, I, I want to give you credit for this observation, Brandon, because it's something you brought up on the radio last week. Emmett Jones has all he's he's always been this dude. Yes. He just hasn't had the logo on his chest to be able to recruit That's this correct. effectively. He's been recruiting to Kansas and Texas Tech. Recruiting to Oklahoma is a whale of a difference from recruiting to Kansas and Texas Tech. And well, so, look what he brought in at Tech last year. When you give a guy like Emmett Jones the prestige factor of an institution like Oklahoma, then some special things are going to happen, and you've begun to see that yield tangible fruit. I. I, I'm almost apt to put in a crystal ball for Decorian Moore. Like I, I really feel that way, just because of what Emmett Jones has done. I just feel like it, if he wants them and they're out of the Dallas area, he's gonna get them. Is that not? I'm not crazy for saying that. I just didn't expect to hear that come out of your mouth. Like, I, it Moore. just feels. It just I mean, feels like it, with everything he's doing right now, it's almost like. I want you, come on over here. I want you, come on over here. I want you. That's what he's doing. And Brian well, Wesco is not far behind. Like, we've both got crystal balls in for him. Yeah. I know Steve Wilfong isn't that far from throwing one in as well. I've talked to him today. Like, that dude, Emmett Jones, is recruiting on another level right now. It is insane what he's doing. Just insane. It's in the, general, right look, now. Like no, I hey. Everybody was wondering, and don't get me wrong, because Kel Gundy, when he was the wide receiver coach, he was recruiting at this level. Dennis Simmons was recruiting at this level. Like they were really good recruiters and really good coaches. They're both all timers at Oklahoma. Like I think we both would agree with that, right? When it comes to their position and what they've done and produced. I mean, Gundy, sure. Simmons. I don't know that he was there Man, long enough. Hollywood Brown, D.D. Westbrook, they're his. Those are pretty good guys, right? Like pretty good players. Sure. Arvin Mims. Yeah, in terms guys. of development, yeah, certainly. In terms of recruiting, like I said, well, he brought in the, he brought in the five stars, Theo Trajan, and all those guys. Those were his guys. Yeah. I, I would I, say. I, it, I guess my point is, is that. Oklahoma has done they've they've had really good wide receivers and good wide receiver coaches and it was like that when they let go of Gundy we're not going to get into the politics of that and whether we believe it was right or wrong or whatever that's neither here nor there but it was like a year lapse of law now they brought in Petaway thanks to Washington having such a strong relationship and Petaway was just so loyal and then they brought in Keon Brown, who similarly was just as loyal. And that's great. No, those are two really, really good players. But Wesco is a top 10 player overall. Kearney is, what is he ranked? What's his ranking? Isn't he top 100? Yes, he is top 100. Top 100. And obviously, Petaway was top 100 last year, but Keon Brown barely made, you know, four-star, depending on who, who, you, who you talk to. And then you got KJ Daniels, who will most likely be a four star when it's all said and done. You got Brennan Thompson. And then you potentially already have a top 100 dude in Grayson Harris in 2025, who could be popping in the next week or so. That is recruiting that Oklahoma hasn't seen since what, 2019? 
at wide receiver. 2021 and 2022 and 2023 were decent, but they weren't anything on the level of 2019, 2018, 2017. Those were elite recruiting classes at wide receiver. CeeDee Lamb, Hollywood Brown. You know what I mean? Like they brought in Marvin Mims in 2020, but there wasn't a lot of like that. That class basically dissolved. <laughs> <laughs> just in general. <laughs> so, anyways, um, let's talk about more guys that were there outside of just receiver Parker. Uh, you you've talked to some guys. I've talked to a bunch. You've talked to a bunch. Just kind of give a general landscape of your feeling of a few guys that were there, and then the rest they can go to OU Insider and see what we have because we've got more coming yeah well the Sooners obviously got one safety commit this weekend in the form of four-star Louisville native Jaden Hardy and I think you think we all think they're very very close with Junction City Kansas native Michael Boganowski as well and he and his whole family were in town for the spring game this weekend things went very very nicely on that visit for Boganowski and his family, a lot of connections there. His dad who played at New Mexico state back in the day, uh, played his high school ball up in the four Oh two at Bellevue West, which is the exact same high school that Caden Helms attended back in the day. So yeah. uh, the Boganowski's and the Helms were kind of catching up, shooting the breeze after the game. It seems like uh, there's a very, very solid relationship there more than I even realized between uh, Caden Helms and the Boganowskis. So that's another box to check for Oklahoma in that regard. Michael Hawkins, Jaden Hardy, both working actively behind the scenes to get Boganowski on board. And if you can lock him down, man, Brandon Hall can just kind of chill for a while. Yep. Brandon, which I <laughs> is which is well deserved for that man because <laughs> he has he has done the Lord's work the last year or so on the recruiting trail. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so I felt so awful for him. Just one I it's no secret that he and I know each other really well. So I felt awful for him last year. Um or last cycle. Uh, he took it hard. He took the the Bowen thing hard when it first went down. Um but obviously it worked in his favor in the long run and yeah, he deserves a break, man. <laughs> After that, it, it was out of everybody. I think him and Todd Bates had the hardest 2023 cycle. Um, and both of those, ironically, probably will be done by September or August. And they both deserve it 100% deserve it in 2024. So, uh, speaking of Todd Bates. Um, there was a trio of elite defensive linemen and we say elite, we mean elite defensive linemen on campus this weekend, 2024, four-star Melissa, Texas defensive lineman, Nigel Smith, 2024 Conroe, Texas, uh, defensive lineman, Joseph Jonah, Jonah, uh, JJA, and then obviously five-star Oklahoma City, IMG Academy, defensive lineman David Stone were in Norman. 
And um, I'm going to read you the quote that a Jone told me. I haven't even posted it on OU Insider yet, but they will have seen it before this gets out there. And I sent you the screenshot of it yesterday. So I'm going to go ahead and read it to you. Because I almost tweeted it out, but I thought differently. I was like, you know what? That's going to cause a stir just because it's such an open-ended quote that he gave and it didn't really – it just kind of hinted at things that didn't need to public, be publicly hinted at for all to see. Um, Joseph Jonah Jonah, four-star Conroe defensive lineman who just won the MVP at the Under Armour camp in Houston, right, was the best player there. And he even showed up late. And they had him go through the drills by himself and then head over and do the one-on-ones and he just dominated. And um, his quote was this. Now, mind you, I'm going to kind of lay the groundwork here for y'all. Those three, not only did they hang out at the game, but they all stayed the night in Norman and went out with the team together. And they all stayed to like one o'clock yesterday in Norman and then finally left. So they were there. Now, David Stone's still on campus, but the other two went back to school, and the trio hung out, and they become really good friends now. Smith and Stone had already been friends because they had visited Oklahoma numerous times together. This was Ajone's first time hanging out with all of them. And Ajone's quote was this. I asked him, I said, what was it like hanging out with those guys? And what do you think of you all playing together? And he said, they talked about it extensively. And then he goes on to say, if we were to go to Oklahoma together, we would be the most dominant defensive line in college football. And when you add us learning from coach Bates, it would make us even more dominant. Oklahoma fans, you hear that and you hear the three top 150 players in the country at the defensive line position saying that you, your mouth starts watering a little bit because we're not even talking about Zadavian Sims, who will most likely be a sooner. We're not even talking about Williams Winery, who is literally a Tennessee Oklahoma battle and Parker. You can dive in more to that. I know Oklahoma is worried about Tennessee. I, I know that for a fact, because I talked to two of the best sources in that that spot yesterday for quite a bit. And, um, but if you land, even if you don't land David Stone and you ended up with Winery, Smith, um, Sims, Ajone, you're going to be okay with that. Even if you landed three of those five, you're going to walk away going, that's the best haul Oklahoma's had in ever so i mean oklahoma regardless of how this thing ends up five star or not parker i know you agree with me oklahoma is going to have a ridiculous defensive line class this year yes they will that's the turning point yeah well a couple other guys that i don't think are being talked about enough in terms of their uh um, how can i put this 
I think there are two other guys that were actually both on campus at the spring game that Sooner fans, you know, if they don't already know their names, they're going to want to get to know them because mm-hmm. OU's in a sneaky good spot for both of them. Kellen Lindstrom out of Glendale in Missouri and Wyatt Gilmore from Rogers, Minnesota. Two Logan star Thomas. guys. Well, and Logan Thomas for that matter. So again, look, OU's not going to get all those guys, right? Nope. They're not getting everybody. If you get Stone, Sims, Smith, Jonah Ajonye, Will Nwaneri in the same class. Yeah, that's <laughs> mind-boggling, but that's not going to happen, right? You're not going to go five for five. Realistically, you are not going to get all five of those guys. So You can't guarantee that because they're in such a good spot for him, but yeah, you most likely know. Yeah, you're not going to get all five of those guys. There's no way. I'd love to be wrong, but there's no way. Um, <laughs> you got to have realistic expectations, and yeah. if you get three or four out of those five, you're more than pleased, especially when you know that you have guys on the edge that really, really like Oklahoma, the likes of Lindstrom and Gilmore and Logan Thomas, with whom you can supplant those top 100 additions on the defensive line. And so, yes, I believe that between the work Miguel Chavis is doing and the work that Todd Bates is doing, Oklahoma is going to sign their best defensive line class of the modern era this cycle. I do not see a way that falls through. I just want to caution everybody against believing that Oklahoma is going to close on everybody because it's April. And yes, they will get some of those guys. They may get the majority of those guys, but they're not going to get everybody and just going to have to be okay with that. Yeah. All right. Real quickly. You got to go to the radio. So real quickly, um, Caden Durham was crystal bald 2024, four star Duncanville, Texas slash more Oklahoma is where he grew up. He just moved to Texas a few years ago. Um, running back Caden Durham was crystal balled today to LSU by Steve Wiltfong, our national recruiting director at 24 seven sports. I talked to Wiltfong. He's not locked in on that pick. I'm just going to tell you all that the, the he's going where the, he thinks is trending. Uh, but Durham was just at Oklahoma this past weekend for the spring game. And from everything that I've been told Oklahoma thinks they're getting them. I mean, they they feel really confident in that, but they they do understand that LSU, and I'm air quoting for people watching on YouTube, is the other team. And I was told that by two different sources today. So um, that's going to be a recruitment to follow because it, it felt like that was just, it was almost inevitable that he was going to go to Oklahoma for the longest time. And now LSU Tigers are making a run. So we'll see how, how all that plans out pans out. I'm going to trust DeMarco Murray. And I feel like he's going to be really hard to beat. Uh, so we'll see. Um, also, as far as just recruiting in general, Oklahoma, I think, is about to hit a uh, – they're already starting to heat up. You saw three commits last week. They're just getting started, just so you all know. Like, it is just getting started. This – the next month and a half, two months could be just absolutely wild for Oklahoma on the recruiting show. So uh, just something to follow for you guys as it heads into the summer because offseason is going to be wild. The, the coaches are out on the, the road right now. I know they're seeing Boganowski today. I know they're seeing, uh, I'm trying to think, uh, Kobe Black, a couple other big-name guys that they're after. So uh, 
just know that OU Insider, we are going to have you guys covered fully. We're going to have more spring content coming at OU Insider. We've got a bunch of recruiting stuff coming from all the visits, from the visits upcoming and all that type of stuff. OU, like the next, I'm telling y'all, OU coaches are on the road. Visits are going to be happening on the weekend. Like it, it's going to be busy, busy, busy uh, on OU Insider. And we hope to have you guys there. Uh, but that's going to do it for this version of the OU Insider under the Visor Sooners podcast. We're cutting it short a little bit for you guys today. Parker's got to get on the radio. So we go. hope you guys have a blessed day. If you're not following us or subscribed on this YouTube channel, click, click, click. If you're not subscribed on any of the platforms that you listen to us on, Make sure you subscribe so you get notifications when the podcasts come up because we're going to start putting our YouTubes on it as well so you can get multiple listens on your your podcast platforms as well. So uh, that's going to do it for this version of the OU Insider Under the Visor Streamers podcast. For Parker Thorne, my name is Brandon Drum. You guys have a blessed.